Welcome to episode 94 from The Shed End. Theo, how are you doing? Not bad. Still kind of recovering from a cold, so apologies in advance if you hear me sniffing uh, above my mic and I sound a bit nasal and my left ear is still completely blocked, so hopefully my my hearing will come back from that ear. But other than that, I'm good. I'm good. Weather's been a lot better here in London and it only seems fitting to talk about Chelsea today on the 19th of May. 11 years yeah. after we won the Champions yep. League. So I think it's a good little occasion to jump on the podcast and talk everything Chelsea related. So yeah, I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, good, productive, busy week, but looking forward to what potentially could be the end of Arsenal's t- chances of of winning the Premier League. Um, all at our cost, to be fair, but it is what it is. But no, apart from that, I'm good. Like you said, the weather's good. I think next week's even better. Creeping into the 20 degrees, getting ready for summer. Um, yeah, been watching a lot of football. Been watching a lot of the the playoffs and uh, watched Sheffield Wednesday last night as well. Obviously, Brighton, Newcastle. So a lot of football. Trying to get as much football in as possible before the season's over. To be fair, um, but yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Before we get into this week's episode, please, as always, subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. Make sure you hit the notification bell on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Make sure you follow the socials as well. There's a link tree link in the description. Make sure you hit that before you leave um, and go and follow us on our our social accounts. But let's start off with, well, some good, very good news. Uh, Women's FA Cup took place last week. Um, 1-0 victory. Sam Kerr, as always. Uh, I think she scored in, is it six or five consecutive finals now? Something like that. It's quite a good record. Um, Very, very impressive performance uh, from Chelsea women. What was your thoughts, Theo? What did you think? Yeah, I kind of caught the second half of the game. I thought thought it was solid, really solid victory. Um, I thought we were the better team uh, for the 90 minutes. Um, I mean, the goal for me was brilliant. It was a brilliant ball from, uh, I think it was Pierre who played it to Pernil Harder who then kind of cut it across to Sam Kerr, who just started it into the goal. And the celebration was brilliant to do that little backflip at Wembley. Yeah. And, they, you know, it was a picture-perfect celebration. Um, you know, against a very good opposition, let's not forget that Manchester United, I think we're neck and neck with them in the Super, um, Women's Super League at the moment. Yeah. So, um, they and they had their chances too, especially at the very, very end. I think Berger came out, almost didn't really claim it properly. And then he kind of was pinballing the penalty box for a bit. But yeah, really pleased for the for the Chelsea women's team and all the hard work that Emma Hayes has put in this season uh, is really it's coming together now. And let's not forget, that's our third women's FA Cup title in a row now. So we won it in 2021, 2022, and now in 2023. So let's hope we can make that four um, next season and continue all the hard work that we put in this year. Um, but yeah, really pleased. And it feels like um, we haven't had much to celebrate for with the, the men's team this season, but the women's are definitely, they're making us proud for sure. Yeah, and I think even Emma Hayes said that you know after the game post match that you know it's been a turbulent season for men and women, well more so for the men's side of the team, um, and that was a win for not just the women's team, it was for a win for Chelsea. So that was something positive I think to take from that. And just reading, I think earlier on, I don't know if it's just recently come out, but Emma Hayes has been nominated as manager of the season. Um, obviously really good season hasn't finished yet still in the uh, race for the WSL as well so still a lot to play for uh, in terms of that I think Sam Kerr also nominated as play, um, play of the season in the WSL as well so um, massive congratulations to them well deserved as well I think we have to throw that in there but with the with the highs comes the lows obviously two key players uh, for Chelsea uh, women leaving at the end of this season Um 
I think it's been on the cards, especially uh, Pernil Harder. I think definitely I read that a couple of weeks ago. I'm sure I did. Um, massive, massive loss um, for, for Chelsea women. What, what, what do you think? Uh, it's, it's a big loss. Yeah, two brilliant players. I mean, Magdalena Eriksson and Pernil Harder, um, two brilliant players. Eriksson's our captain as well at the moment. Yep. And she's a you know, brilliant player. We saw Harder putting that brilliant pass for um, for Kerr in the final. So two great players. Um, I think maybe something that played a part in not one, but both of them leaving is that I think some of us Chelsea fans aren't, don't know this, but they're in a relationship together. So yeah. maybe they, you know, their next move, they want to plan it together, whether that be outside of football, whether that be their next club, but I'm sure they want to kind of um, do that journey together. Um, but yeah, for us, it's a big blow. Um, I think we signed another player recently, maybe yeah. in kind of pre- preparation for those two leaving, but I think it's more um, their contracts are coming to an end. So they're leaving rather than um, kind of another club coming and swooping them. So, um, but yeah, big blow. And I think um, all we have to do is just watch that FA Cup final to know how big of uh, players they are to the team. Um, but yeah, we can only just wish them the best now and thank them for their, for their services for, the, I think it was three or four years that they played at Chelsea um, for us. Yeah. And let's hope, um, I think the next two, the final games is Arsenal and Reading in the WSL. So let's hope we can get six points out of there, try and push for the, the title um, to, to give them a, a really decent farewell as well. I think it'll be be good. I think she took over the captaincy from Karen Carney, I think, I think right, yeah. 19, yeah. 20 season, I think. So um, been here a while you know, um, clearly took over the captain's armband from someone who, again, was very good for, for, for Chelsea uh, women as well. So, yeah, congratulations to them both and best best of luck as well. I think that's an, another thing we, we want to sort of shout out on here as well. But talk to me about Nottingham Forest because <laughs> we've got to come straight back. That, that was the high, that's the, the peak of the, the episode. We're going downhill from now. Um, talk to me about Forest because obviously... It's a game that we I, I expected we were going to at least win. I think um, not more so based on our, our, our last maybe two or three performances, and they've been a bit better. And I think we said that last week. But what what was your thoughts on on Forest? It just seemed to be very much more of the same what we've seen a lot this season. I mean, to be fair, we were the dominant team and the much better team, but we can say that about so many of our performances this season. And their two goals, I think, probably they only maybe they only two shots on target if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, but first goal for me is just a massive lapse in concentration from Edouard Mendy. I mean, you could tell he's a keeper that hasn't played in six months and maybe he just wants to kind of come back and assert his, you know, his, why his authority and show Lampard that, you know, he, he's the better, better keeper at the moment, but he did himself no favours just coming out and trying to punch it. It was just rash and stupid. And then it was easy header for, for um, the Forest um, striker. And again, second goal, quick throw in. Um, next thing you know, they got a ball in the box and they they put it into the back of the net. Uh, the net almost minutes or seconds even after Sterling has scored his second, um, which is just shows again that we weren't really fully focused. We weren't really prepared for that. Um, so it's very two silly goals to concede. And I've been we often praised Chelsea defensively this performance, but on that day I felt we were quite. We didn't look ourselves. Um, positives though, um, I think Lewis Hall. Again, had a decent game. Nothing out of the blue, but he looked—he didn't look out of place at one point, and he—he's um, getting slowly growing and growing confidence and maturity as well. So um, he's definitely another player that I think will have to start against um, United, City, and Newcastle for our three remaining games. Um, Sterling, again, pleased with him. Um, you know, we, we've seen Sterling. The big problem with Sterling this season is he's—he's he's been inconsistent. That was that was his first goal since the start of March against Dortmund, and I think his first brace since. Um, 
Leicester at home at the, back in August. So, yeah, really pleased for him. And that, particularly that second goal, you could tell that that second goal was a player that was full of confidence. And, um, you know, after scoring the first one, and I think that's what we need to be see more of a Raz, you know, going forward, especially yeah. under Pochettino next season, a player that, you know, is willing to, you know, take on players yeah. and um, penetrate into the box and have those kind of shots on goal. Um, Loftus-Cheek as well had to come on for the injured Kovacic and he had an impact on the game. He played that ball to, to Sterling for the second goal. And um, <clears throat> I'm trying to remember who was the player who put the ball in for Sterling for the first goal. Um, but that was yeah. a brilliant pass as well. I can't remember now. I was heavily, I was drinking a lot of beer. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been Kante or Chilova, I think. I'm not too sure, but whoever it was, it was a brilliant, it was a brilliant ball. I just to cut it into the penalty box and the, Sure, it came off the Forest player's head, but I think it was still going on target yeah. and we'll take it at this stage. But um, but yeah, that's not, we haven't seen enough of that this season. Those kind of killer balls into the box that just land to the feet of the striker. Um, so yeah, I think positives is that we scored two goals, but again, negatives, it's just lapse in concentration and allowing these small teams to come to Stanford Bridge and get points. Um, and I think this feeling that I really want to get rid of next season is almost being content with a point. Mm, yeah which yeah. I think is just not right as a Chelsea fan against a team like Nottingham Forest who are fighting for survival. Um, so I really hope that just changes in my mentality next season as a Chelsea fan. Yeah, it's it's, it's difficult because I think, you know, going into these games, you do expect, especially a team like Nottingham Forest to, um, yeah, I mean, they're out of the relegation now on 34 points, so they are fighting for their survival in the league still. So I, I, it was always going to be a difficult game. Um, you'd expect maybe even those games... Maybe not, I mean, City, you, you, which we'll talk about later, but you look at United, they're still chasing top four. Newcastle, still chasing top four. They're going to be difficult games. And I think when you go 2-1 up, it's like you just said, you know, it's all about seeing the game out properly, you know, not not having or reducing the lapses in concentration. You're still going to have them, but just reduce them down. Don't be, you know, be a bit more compact and composed as well, especially uh, in, in defence. But echo exactly what you just said you know Lewis Hall I thought was brilliant I thought Trevor Chalabret right back was good uh, like you said Loftus-Cheek coming in um, play, playing a, a very vital part as well Baddy Shill alongside Thiago Silva I thought yes yeah, didn't look great at some points but I thought overall had a decent game um, Raheem Sterling um, or, you know it made sense it made sense to line up for me personally Mendy I think yeah, I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know how we've gone from when. I mean, you think back to last season. I think we were calling Mendy or saying, you know, he's got the potential to be world class. He's playing like a world class goalkeeper. Howlers, howlers. You you just can't you can't justify them. You can't back them, defend them. Um, you know, he's, he's pushing for this new contract. I, I see his time at Chelsea coming to an end. Um, linked to linked to Tottenham today. I'm not oh, sure you've seen. Yeah, um, yeah. Silly man, um, yeah. I just think you know, Kepa needs to come in for this game in City. I know we don't have anything really to realistically fight for, but it is more about getting that consistency now. I think with the team, and I think I mentioned that last week or week before. It's about playing the players that are going to be playing, you know, for Potticino, bringing in Raheem Sterling, trying to get the best out of him, increasing his confidence. We got to see that on Saturday. You know, like you said, you know, scoring the two goals, being in the right place at the right time taking players on as well, which is something that 1v1s he hasn't been doing for us, you know, at all. Um, so yeah, I think we've just got to look at these next three fixtures as almost the start of pre-season, if I'm honest, and just think, right, 
if we get something out of it, then great. Of course, we want to go into every game and try and win it and get three points. But start thinking about next season now. And you can only do that so much because obviously players will leave, players will come in. But we know the spine of the team is going to be pretty much how it is now. You know, you look at Noni Medweki, Mudrik, Sterling, um, Enzo Fernandez, Badia Schill, Thiago Silva, Reese James when he's back, uh, Kepa. Now, those players will be playing regular football for us next season. So let's start getting the consistency, the link-up play, with, especially the front three as well. Getting those playing more consistently across across the piece for me for the next three games. But yeah, dis- disappointing though. I think, you know, we, I think we had about 73, maybe percent. We, I mean, we had a lot of possession of the ball. Um, like you said, two shots from Forrest, two on target, sorry, on uh, from Forrest. Both ended up being goals. So it just tells you that they had minimal possession of the ball, minimal chances. And when they do have them, they, you know, they score. So disappointing for me overall. Yeah, no, I'd have to agree. A disappointing performance, but maybe, maybe it's just kind of increased Forest confidence going into that Arsenal game, and they can get some a result against Arsenal, and then we could just focus on trying to beat City, which is mission impossible. But never say never. I think it's all over on Sunday, if I'm honest. But again, I'm not. You know, we we're out of the. We're not even in the conversation. So, you know, to us, it. I mean, we need to focus on what we can do next season. But Sunday, I'm pretty sure. You know, there'll be a few happier Chelsea fans than 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 ever before if we do lose so you know we've got to take it as swings and roundabouts but let's talk about midfield options because a lot of talk this week about Ruben Loftus-Cheek uh, talks ongoing I think Fabrizio Romano has given us an update I think even today that conversations are still going to continue throughout the next couple of days um, something that we spoke about quite you know, often on here about his move. Should he stay? Should he go? Does he need to go somewhere and develop a bit more or just find somewhere that he can be one of the main guys in midfield? AC Milan, big club, a lot of history um, for, for AC Milan. And obviously Tamori's over there as well. You know, a, a sort of Cobham graduate as well. So good move for Ruben or, or bad? I think it's a good move. I think it's a very good move. He's 27 now. He's kind of at that period of his career where he needs to make this type of decision whether to stay at Chelsea have the odd game struggle with injury not be a kind of in a consistent position as well play under numerous different managers which hasn't helped him or go abroad like Abraham's done Tomori have done maybe a bit earlier in their careers but then try to revive something and hopefully you never know but even have a a call up again for 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 Gareth Southgate in England I mean I know that Gareth Southgate hasn't exactly you know, given Tomori the the, the, the deserved kind of opportunity in the England squad, and he often favours those players that are playing in the Premier League, like Cody or Maguire, even though it's fairly undeserved. But I think it's a, it'd be a good move for him. Um, he's, we played um, played really well and had a great link up play with Olivier Giroud um, back in 2018 yeah. 19. So that could be a good, maybe a reason for it. I think um, Milan signed um, De Ketelare from Club Bruges last summer and it didn't really work out. It hasn't really, he hasn't really been a performing. So maybe Loftus Cheek might be some healthy competition for him. But it's also sad as a Chelsea fan because I still think it's one of those big, the biggest what if moment was had he not gotten injured in that stupid, it wasn't even pre season, it was just an organised friendly. Yeah. A couple of weeks before we meant to, we were going to play Arsenal in Baku in the Champions League in the Europa League final, and he gets injured. He injured his, his Achilles, and then he came back. He missed the whole of the following season. I think his first appearance after that was against Aston Villa in that weird restart period, 
he just didn't look himself. I think he was even bought off, bought off at half time, and then he never really kind of kicked off after that. Um, so it's a real shame for him and his kind of Chelsea career. And then I think even even in that period he was injured, we bought a lot of players like Havertz, Werner, Mount got a bigger kind of running in the team. So um, so yeah, but if he does stay at Chelsea, which is looking very kind of unlikely now, given how these rumours are kind of heating up, I think he's definitely got a part to play. He's very versatile. He, um, I think he's going to play a, a part in our remaining three fixtures with the injuries to Kovacic and and um, and Kante. So yeah. I think Chelsea fans will really see like what he can offer in midfield when he's not played on the you know the right um, as a right wing back or kind of out of position. Um, but yeah, big blow for Chelsea fans because I think it's one of those players that we really wanted him to kind of break in and be the next maybe Lampard or the next big thing. And we have to remember he's been kind of around the first team since 2014, yeah. 2013. Yeah. I think it was Jose Mourinho who gave him his first team debut in um, in a champ. I think it was a Champions League match. It might have been Maribor, I think, um, back in 2014. And then um, he scored his first goal under, I think it was Gus Hiddink in 2016 when he came when he started against Aston Villa then he went out on loan to Palace where he was really successful he went to to Fulham on loan to kind of you know get game time post injury didn't really work out either but but no like I said one of those biggest what if players or what if moments had he not played that friendly yeah and it's I mean it's a shame for him I've, I've always sort of sort of been on the fence because I think he's you sort of still think has potential to go on and still be a relatively really good midfielder. I just think he's hit a ceiling and sometimes this happens with, you know, all levels of players. I think they just hit a ceiling at a particular club, but they might go on and achieve more as another club somewhere else. And I think he's at that point where I just don't know how much game time. I mean, we're going to talk about midfield options for us shortly, but I don't know whoever we bring in. Cause you look at uh, Mateo Kovacic and um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, uh, sorry, Matteo Kovacic and maybe N'Golo Kante, who I spoke about earlier in the week, who might go still hasn't signed the deal, which is a bit strange that the deal that was supposed to be on the table hasn't been signed yet by Kante. If we do lose those two midfielders, obviously Dennis Zakaria is only on loan, so you expect him to go. We're going to bring in... Exactly, yeah. Um, you know, We're going to bring in some midfielders. So we're, uh, we're potentially looking at the, the midfield options of like Caicedo, uh, McAllister, uh, just to name a few... Declan Rice again, who's been mentioned a couple of times, although heavily linked with Arsenal. But easy, how much game time is he honestly going to get when he's at that kind of peak critical part of his his career? How much game time is he honestly going to play ahead of these players? Um, you know, Pochettino will clearly have an idea of who he, who he wants to to bring in and play and adapt into his style of football. Is 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 Ruben Loftus Cheek really going to get as much game time as he would maybe playing for AC Milan? Probably not. So it is probably a good option for him, I think, um, in terms of the level of game time he's going to get. And like you just said, you know, maybe push himself back into contention. Although Tomori is probably not a really good example of that because I would say he's probably a better centre-back than Eric Dyer and Harry Maguire and still can't get a game at international level. But it puts his name in the hat again, I think, probably more so than it does if he stays at Chelsea. So it's probably good for him. Develop, not development, but in terms of game time and progressing as a as a footballer, I think I've read he's willing to take a pay cut on what he's on now to facilitate the move. So it tells me that he's keen on the idea of going to Italy. Maybe he's had that conversation with Tomori as well. What's life like in Italy? What's the state of the football club like? You know all those kind of things. And it's it's probably just a. I think it would, I think it's a really good move for him. But it's a shame for us because when you look at the graduates that have 
you come out of the you know Cobham graduates, you'd love all of them to do well at Chelsea, but you know I suppose the door's only ajar for for so many to 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 go further on. Yeah, no, I'd have to agree, and I completely echo what you said about maybe him reaching his ceiling at Chelsea and doing what he's been able to do in the, in the time he's played, and but maybe at this stage of his career, it's the most sensible option. I'd have to agree. Yeah, it's uh, let give give me a rundown of your potential midfield options. Obviously, if we do lose Angolo Kante, uh, I think he's in his last year of his deal next year, I think. So you'd expect if he doesn't sign, club might want to try and cash in. And obviously, from, from what I read, I think Potichino wants a squad of 20 to, uh, 24 to 25 players. So we need to trim it down if we're on 33, I think, at the moment. So if Kante does leave and Mateo Kovacic looks like he's heading somewhere as well, as I mentioned, uh, Dennis Zakaria will potentially go back and not be signed by the club. So it leaves us very weak and empty in midfields, which is, when you look at it on paper, it's really empty. Um, what would be your options in terms of midfielders that potentially you would like to see come in as replacements for those players departing? Yeah, watching Billy Gilmore's recent performances yeah, has made a big, big <laughs> kick in the teeth for us. I watched um, him yesterday, was brilliant. But no, yeah, that through ball um, for, for Indov was brilliant, yeah. wasn't it? Um, no, I think the three names you listed, Caicedo, McAllister, and Declan Rice are all players that we've been linked to before. And I think it would make sense for us to kind of revive our interest in them this summer. Um, I've got a name which I think makes the most sense. It's um, Ugarte from uh, Sporting Lisbon. Yep. He's 22 years old and he's actually got a release clause of 52 million, which I think in this kind of market is sensible money for a player that, um, you know, he's having, he's having his kind of big breakthrough season. I think they signed him in 2021, mainly to to replace um, Jao Polina, or who is now kind of at Fulham and Ugarte is kind of filling in for his, um, in his shoes. Um, but he's a brilliant player. He's kind of a ground eater and interception specialist, which sounds a lot like what we kind of talk, say about um, Angolo Kante. Yep. Um He's got, I think that's why statistic, he's got the third highest tackles in the Europa League this season, but he's only played two rounds of it or a couple or four oh, rounds right. of it, I think. Um, he's not the best kind of progressive passer, but he carries the ball extremely well. So again, very similar to Angolo Kante. I think I saw a video of how Ruben Amarim sets up Sporting Lisbon and it's this kind of weird 3-1-6 formation. And Ugarte is that single player in the one kind of solo midfielder. Um so yeah, so when those kind of other players came up the pitch and we saw a lot of Pedro Porro, or we've seen of him that this so far at Tottenham Hotspur, yeah. he's very good going up the pitch, but not so good defensively. Mm-hmm. And in that kind of those first six months at Sporting Lisbon, when Pedro Porro would go up the pitch, um, Ugarte would slot in in that kind of fullback role, which I think we need to do, we're going to have to do next season when we see Lof- um, Rhys James and Chihuahua, and especially Rhys James against Real Madrid. At times he couldn't really follow um Vinicius could he so yeah. if we can have that player like Agate could just slot in into those fullback roles and almost kind of fill that void when those more fullback or offensive fullbacks want to kind of uh, offer their support to the more um, to the attackers then I think that's brilliant and like I said 22 52 million release clause and I think the Portuguese league is just becoming so appealing now to Premier League clubs to kind of snatch talent from we've seen it with Enzo Fernandez we've seen it with Darwin Nunez going to Liverpool yeah um, so I think that'd be my number one choice um, Uruguayan international as well I think he was at the World Cup um, so Spanish speaker, perfect for Pochettino, um, perfect kind of midfield compatriot for um, for um, for Enzo Fernandez. And if we do actually tie um, Kante to a new contract, I think it's that similar styled kind of profile that maybe could fill in in that fifty percent of the games that 
Kante won't be able to play, which we know he won't be able to play given yep. his injury record. Um, so yeah, I think um, I'd go with Agate if we if we want to go for that Premier League experience. Maybe the three names you listed, or even the player that Agate replaced in Jao Polina from Fulham, would be a sensible option as well. But I think any of those five midfielders, um, I think, would be the perfect kind of Kante, Kovacic, Loftus Cheek replacements. Yeah, I, I agree. I think one name as well that I'm keen on, but I, I, I don't know how. Uh, realistic it is is Lavio from Southampton uh, obviously relegated now I think aren't they or due to be relegated Southampton so the only problem with Lavio he's got a release clause that can be act- or a buyback clause sorry that can be activated next season by Manchester City for 40 million now I think personally he's either going to stay in the championship for a season knowing he can go back to Man City uh, Pep wanted him he was keen on on, on Lavia I think he just wasn't um, able to give him the assurances that he'll play as many games as some of the other midfielders so there's that Arsenal I think have come in with a 40 million bid already this season now Manchester City can also match any bid that is made by any club this season so yes they can get the buyback clause next season but if we was to bid 50 million they could you know almost have first refusal by the sounds of it in terms of the clauses that they put it put in there as well i think there's a 20 percent selling fee that goes back to, so there's it's a lot of things that they protected the player in the club with by allowing him to go to southampton in the first place but in terms of the profile of the player love him you know i think he's um, you know agate another one but i think both of those are, are up there for me as two key players that we could easily fit into our team um get them playing the way that Pochettino would want them to do as well. And I like the idea of having someone like Agate playing as just a, almost a, like a lone DM, almost as on his own. I think that would work so well, how we play, how we potentially will set up uh, under Pochettino. I think it would work really well. Um, Declan Rice, I, I, I like, but for 300 grand a week, 90 million pounds. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. If it was, we've, we spoke about wages on here. It's obviously not our money, but it's a lot of money to be paying for a, a player that, hasn't really I know he does really well for West Ham and even last night but he hasn't had that step up and I'd be I'd hate for us to be in a position where we pay 90 million for a midfielder 300 grand a week and the money sort of turns his head uh bit like Saka at the moment you think Saka signed a new deal and he's not really been putting in the performances so you know I don't want to be in that position where we start criticizing a player that's recently signed for us and um you know then becomes under the pressure that Mason Mount's been under this season in terms of you know the fan base getting onto him a bit. And I don't want to, don't want to put Declan Rice, another player that has a lot of potential in that position as well. So it's a lot of money for the, for, for the, the gamble that he might not do as well as we think he will, especially in his first season. So, um, but we've got to get midfielders in. That's something that Potticino, um after his lovely stint in the, um, his, his um, what, what are they calling the, 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 the game that he's just signed up for? You just said it to me before. So- soccer Aid. I was going to say UNICEF. It is UNICEF, is it? Is, is it UNICEF? UNICEF Soccer yeah, Aid, yeah. yeah. So I don't know I had UNICEF in my head. I was going to call it the UNICEF match. But um, Poch, 1st of July apparently is the day when he'll he'll sign or he'll the announcement will be made um, for him to be Chelsea manager. First of all, what do you think about, because I've seen a bit of mixed reaction about the, the Soccer Aid announcement this morning. And Pochettino and Chelsea, obviously not announcing that he's the Chelsea manager, but the soccer aid, what do you think it's just a, I think I said to you, it's more maybe a contractual thing that he's just been, that was already signed up before he even took this job on at Chelsea or is hopefully going to take the job on at Chelsea. Or do you think Chelsea should have announced something first, maybe just to, again, I think to calm the fans down and just 
is, is it, does it matter? Does it matter that we haven't got an announcement? Does it, does, does it matter that he's working behind the scenes at Chelsea already and there's no official announcement? Yeah, I think, I think it doesn't really matter because I think deep down we all know it's just a matter of time and it will happen. It's almost inevitable. But, um, but yeah, the soccer aid thing, it does make sense, I guess, because he's going to be in the UK. He's going to be a Premier League manager come, come the 1st of July and soccer aid taking place in, in Old Trafford. He'll be in the UK. He'll probably be even at Cobham during that time doing preparation um, for, um, for you know his, his job starting on the 1st of July. Um the announcement, oh, it could be a, so many different things. I know as well that we don't actually have a kit sponsor at the moment. It could be something very silly like that, but from a marketing perspective, we yeah. might want to announce the manager holding the kit yeah. with our new kind of kit sponsor on it. So I'm just Good kind shout. of thinking outside the box here. Um, but yeah, I think um, you'd expect when we kind of go into those early weeks in June, and especially if he's managing this soccer aid match and it still isn't an announcement. I think the, the game's on the 11th of June, I think. Yeah. There still isn't an announcement on the 11th of June. That's when I'm starting to think, okay, he's clearly in the UK now. He's managing these charity matches, but we still don't have that manager. We're probably going to hear all these Fabrizio kind of tweets about how he's talking to these players, this player, he wants this player to stay, this player to leave, etc. But then there's still no official kind of Chelsea announcement of it, which is a bit frustrating. There's probably still no official Chelsea photography of him being present at Stamford Bridge. And there's all these talks as well of him wanting to have these cameras placed around Stamford Bridge so he can really record every um, bit of training from every single angle. Um, I also read that he's very he's a very affectionate manager and he loves physical touch. So apparently every morning he gives his players a big bear hug as well. <laughs> um, the small things like this, I think Chelsea fans are getting very exciting <laughs> and sharing every single bit of detail yeah. of our kind of upcoming manager. But but yeah, I think more things like that will pop up soon um, the longer it gets. But, um, but yeah, I'm still a bit divided about this stock rate thing, but as long as the announcement's made before the, the, the game on the 11th, I'm, I'm fine with it. Yeah, no, I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm... I think I'm just happy as long as he takes a job. I'll be honest. He can, they can announce it a day before the season. As long as he's in position and he's doing things behind closed doors. Um, that's for me, the key bit, the fact that like you just said that he's there, he's at Cobham, he's, he's assessing things. He's bringing his own, you know, implementing his own things and ideas. Um, I'm very, very happy that from what I've read, that he likes to know every granular detail of training, which is something that I think has been missing. Maybe, over the last couple of months or so, you know, the fact he wants cameras in all aspects of the training facilities and, um, you know, they tailor the training to suit each individual player's needs. Those little attention to detail, those key things are so crucial, I think, going forward. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad that he's, he's doing that. I think that's something that we, we've probably been missing. Um, didn't know about the bear hugs, but I did know that he likes a good fa family kind of uh, environment he doesn't want to see it as a, just a place of work. He wants to see it as a, a, a place where you know people can almost become a family again and bond a bit more. I think, again, that's something that I know you mentioned that the players used to, outside of football, used to do things together and that's kind of not happened as such or as much as it has recent, uh, previously. So maybe those things can be installed again and, and bring that unity back to the club. So I'm all for it. As long as it's happening behind the scenes before the announcement, great. Just announce it before the first pre-season game, please, just so we've got, we, we know as fans that it's definitely happening, then we, we should be fine. But um, big game on Sunday. I, I am going to say it this weekend because it's Man City. Big game on Sunday. Etihad, Manchester City, Haaland, De Bruyne, Grealish, Mahrez, 
who am I missing out? Akanji, John Stones, Alvarez, Alvarez. <laughs> Edison, Bernardo, Bernardo. Bernardo Silva. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm missing someone else. Rico Lewis. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they've got the list can go. Yeah, the list goes on. They've got it? a really good squad, but. Um, it's it's a game where we've had ups and downs that Eddie had. So we've had some really good performances there. We've had some really crazy ones where, you know, you want to leave at half time. Just going into this game with obviously, you know, Frank Lampard's time coming to an end shortly as well. Um, key injuries out for us. You mentioned Kante, Kovacic, um, Kukurea, Chilwell, still out. I think Kulabali's back in training as well. But some of those key key players out. What what's your thoughts going into a game where we've really got nothing to lose and City potentially have everything to, to gain from it. Yeah, I mean, there's always there's no good time to play City, um, and I think their recent results have just shown that they're they're kind of having the form of their life at the moment. I mean, beating Real Madrid four yeah. 0 is is a joke. It's an absolute joke. Um, you could have argued it would have been better to play them last weekend, maybe when they were rotated a few players to um, to rest them in time for the the Madrid second leg. Mm. But now they've got plenty of time before preparing for the for the Champions League final, which I think is only kind of second week of June. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's a tough game. As Chelsea fans, I think we're just going to have to hope for the best. But if we lose, it kind of still is a bit joy- joyful because it means Arsenal have no chance of winning the Premier League anymore, which I, you're laughing about. And I've got a big smile <laughs> on my face as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an extremely tough game as long as we don't get embarrassed. I think yeah. we have seen some embarrassing performance at the Etihad. I'm thinking back at that 6-0. Yeah. I think we lost 4-0 in the FA Cup earlier in the season there. Um, we're unbeaten, I think. We haven't won a single game at the Etihad since, I think, May 20 or April 2021. And we haven't beaten Man City since the Champions League final. And we haven't scored a goal against Manchester City since the Champions League final. This season, we've played them three times and I think we, can, we lost 1-0, 2-0 and 4-0. So as long as we don't make the that kind of accumulated aggregate score more embarrassing than that, then this is fine. But but yeah, um, it's going to be a very tough game. I'd like to see a couple maybe faces that don't play as regularly. Maybe Madrid play this time. Maybe um, Carney Chukumweka with all the injuries we have to midfield. I think that'd be a um, good good game for him to slot in. Um, and he's he's back at Cobham for a reason. He was meant to travel to under twenties to the World Cup, and you put a tweet up. But he's in training because Lampard needs him for the remaining three fixtures. Lewis Hall, another one who had two tough games at the Etihad, but he, yeah. early in the season, and it's going to probably be, a, I think he's only fifth or sixth Chelsea start, and it will be against Manchester City again. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a very, very tough game. Um, but like you said, maybe if we can just kind of blend this into pre-season and just get these players um, hitting the ground running for the, for the for the upcoming season, then I think it's a good start against probably the best team in the world at the moment. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think 100%, you know, I think it is more about making it less of a cricket score and more of just a, a usual football um, score for us now. I think we just have to, and, and to be, and to credit Lewis Hall, it's a, it's a good point that you brought up. He had some really good chances in those games. If you remember, he got himself into some really good spaces. Um, I think he was up against Rico Lewis at the time though. So I, don't, I think he'll be, he might have Carl Walker to, to deal with this, this game. But you know, he's getting himself some really good place, uh, spaces in, in the game. He had a really good chance. Uh, I think it was in the, the Carabao Cup, um, that fixture, or one of the two. But look, City are a, a, a team that, you know, you could put out your best 11 at Chelsea that we currently have right now. And they could not have Haaland 
and maybe drop Kevin De Bruyne to the bench and probably would still look like a, a Rolls Royce of a team. So um, it just shows the quality and depth that they've got. They've turned on the switch at the right time as when you think about Arsenal and how far ahead of the um, the league they were. You know, I think this is the, it, historically they're the worst, the, the team that's been top of the league for the longest and not gone on to win it. So it shows you that City at the, at the right time know when to split that switch and, and start performing. And I, I wouldn't, off the back of the Real Madrid performance, I would not be surprised if they're, you know, they're smelling blood again. Based on our based on our, our performance um, over the last couple of months, you know, I, I would not be surprised if it's now a case of, you know, we know we can win the league here. Let's smash this one out of the park and let's let's go for it. And unfortunately, it's going to be us that's on the, the back end of it. But um, I still want to see a good performance. I still want to see that's the, the, the consistency that we, I think we're trying to get to. And, you know, like you said, you know, maybe... Unfortunately, we have to bring in, not unfortunately, we have to bring in Karni Chukomeka because I think he would be really good in this game. But just due to the injuries, it's unfortunate that he's having to get a start over them. But I'm, I'm, I'm happy, you know, I'm happy with the, the the lineup that I think I've kind of got in my head and I know I'm going to ask you for yours now. But I just think even if we go out there and we, you know, we put in a good performance and it ends in a nil-nil or, you know, we do go on to unfortunately lose one nil. I just want to see a good performance and, and see some of these players that, build a bit of confidence now but um just before we wrap up predictions let's go over our lineups first and we'll let you go first with yours I might, I might possibly agree just because of forced injuries but what would your lineup be and then what would the school prediction be as well lineup would be Kepas to come back in um Chiloba right back who I think has been very solid against mm. Bournemouth and Forest um I'm gonna go with um Badger and Silva once more Lewis Hall at left back Enzo and Loftus Cheek. I'm going to go with Carney ahead of Gallagher for this yeah. one. I think in that kind of central, more kind of advanced midfield role. And then my um, my front three would have to be. This is where it gets a bit tricky. I think Madweke has to start again. Madweke. I'm going to go with Havertz for this one. It annoys me to say it, but I just think we need that bit of height. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. You know, against Tias, Laporte, Stones, um, and then. It has to be Sterling given his brace. He scored against um, against um, Forest. Um, statistics of two numbers that are a bit, wor- I mean, good but also worrying going into this game is that we we haven't given away a single penalty so far this season, which is <laughs> credit to us for being disciplined. That's we don't defend. <laughs> yeah, and Haaland has scored against every single Premier League team this season except for Chelsea, and I think the second one was Brentford or Liverpool. I think. Um, He'll change that. So you just Sunday. know that Har- <laughs> So you just know that Harlan's getting a penalty on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but no predictions. I'm going to go with two um, 0 Man City. I think yeah. it's going to be a tough game. I think. I think for me, lineup will be very similar. I think I would probably stick with Jao Felix up front. Apart, or, in fact, no, no, I wouldn't. I would. It's not going to happen. But I would put uh, Datra for Fana up front for one reason I think did he not play in one of the cup games against City I feel like he came he made his debut off the bench in I think the FA Cup game in January really good really really good against them and I'm not saying it's going to be the same sort of game or whatever but I I think we need to see Fofana as to what he can do and I think I said this last week that we need to see what he he can do before we put him out on loan he might have a massive role to play I know that Brozier's back in training but let's not rush him back we might obviously Ivan Tony's been banned for eight months now so I think that blows that whole thing of me trying to sign him out the water um, 
Osterman, I think, is a massive one. 100 million. I just don't think we're going to spend another 100 million on a striker. We've got one in in Italy at the moment. So I think we have to give Fofana the opportunity. We really do. I know I've just broke my rule. I said I wasn't going to talk about him. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, Fofana needs to give an, be given an opportunity. So um, I'm going to go 1 0 City. I think it's going to be a tight game for them. I think there'll be a bit of nerves in there for them, knowing that they can clinch the league as well. So um, I'm going to go 1 0 City in that game but let me know what you guys think in the comments um don't forget to subscribe make sure you hit the notification bell as well hit the link tree link in the description theo's gone two nil i've gone one nil we're gonna put a poll that's that should be this week's poll actually we'll, we'll do that who's right who's wrong um theo as always thank you very much for joining it's always a pleasure therapy loving the t-shirt uh just noticed it but yeah loving the t-shirt if you can't see it obviously theo's heavily into nba as well as football uh, Steph Curry uh, that's the one yeah. Golden State Warriors Golden State Warriors no longer in the playoffs yeah, but still yeah. rooting for them we'll have to talk about that offline actually but um, but yeah. thank you very much for everyone for listening and watching we appreciate it do not forget to subscribe to the channel we'll be back next week with another episode thanks <laughs>